a woman came up to me after the nine o'clock service and she said, I came here and she said, a couple of decades ago, my life was broken. I didn't know Christ. I showed up at Calvary. We sang some of those songs and she said, as we sang them back then, tears would just stream down my face, hoping that the words of these songs were true. And she said, and today as we sang them, she said, I can't explain it, but today there was a smile on my face as we sang them because now I know they're true. What a beautiful thing. And it kind of emphasizes what we're gonna be talking about today as we launch a new series, Calvary Next. We're gonna be looking into the book of Acts and looking at principles from the early church as it grew and as it was thriving in the first century and discover those principles that are needed and important for us and are for the church today and what that means for Calvary as we study through uh, eight weeks in the book of Acts. And as we do that, we're also gonna talk about the vision that God has given our leadership from this point forward to 2030, should Jesus not return, what we'll be doing and sharing that emphasis and we'll be doing that throughout this series as well. And if you missed last week, last week was kind of the prequel. We talked about some important things in leadership. I would urge you, if you consider Calvary, your church family, to go back and check that out and uh, see what God is doing already and what God will continue to do in our 2030 vision together. I wanna mention to you, before we jump in any further, that um, this weekend something has returned to Calvary that hasn't been a part of Calvary's weekend uh, rhythms uh, since before COVID, and that is that donuts have returned to the lobby. Now I hear some of you cheering, and I'm sure there's some booze. If you like this idea, then it was my idea. If you don't like this idea, then it was our executive pastor, Jason McMaster's idea. <laughs> the donuts are free. We ask for a donation if you're able to make a donation because what we're gonna be doing with the donuts, all proceeds from the donuts are gonna be going for the next several months to purchase Bibles in Farsi to supply our partners in Elam who help get those Bibles into Iran and other uh, Farsi-speaking parts of the world. And so this is a great opportunity uh, to invest in God's kingdom and even to share with your kids where that is going, where those resources are going. Uh, each Farsi Bible is about $6. I'm not suggesting that you have to donate $6 per donut. The donuts are free and we ask for a donation. But just so you know, every time that the proceeds are $6, then another Farsi Bible is made available, and uh, what we've learned from our partners, God does amazing things when those Bibles are found on a bus or in some other location or handed to someone, and, and the Word of God uh, does not return uh, to him void. It is faithful to draw people to Jesus, and so uh, that's a great opportunity for us while we're fellowshipping and, and enjoying a donut to be investing in something far bigger than ourselves and it'll make a difference in our world today. Now today we're going to be spending some time looking back and we're gonna look at a message that Peter preached on the birth, the birthday of the church in Acts chapter two. So if you wanna to go to Acts chapter two, we'll be there in just a moment, go there in your Bible or if you have a Bible app on your mobile device, join us in the New Testament book of Acts chapter two. And as we look back today, I wanna to just kinda of ask you, all of you at some point will be asked to stand in the next few seconds with others, not just by yourself. Even if you're a visitor today, you'll be a part of this because I wanna just find out when people in the 46 year history of Calvary, when people first started attending. And so if, uh, you know, we'll get down to the last era and if you're new today, that you'll be a part of that group. But let's go all the way back and I'm gonna ask you to stand if you started attending Calvary before Pastor Larry, our founding pastor, arrived. If you started attending Calvary before Pastor Larry arrived in 1976, stand. All right, all right, and if you could just stay standing for a minute. I, I'm trying to make sure who we have. All right, we have the Hoovers. And uh, they were a part, now, before you sit down, I gotta explain, you might say, well, how does the how are people a part of a church and they start attending before the founding pastor gets here? Well, there was a little church. It was struggling and there were some families who committed, let's get a new pastor, let's have a new birth. And those families, uh, along with Pastor DeWitt and his wife, Becky, they launched Calvary Community Church and uh, the Hoovers were a key part of that. Thank you all for standing and being a part of that. And, and uh, what, a, what a joyful thing to have them here. And we had, we've had someone in every, all three services last night. Michael Gregory was here, Sally Parks in the nine, and, and others uh, have been here uh, throughout the weekend. 
then if you started attending Calvary at the Hungry Tiger, please stand. Now, if you don't know what that is, then you probably didn't start attending at the Hungry Tiger. That, stand if you started attending Calvary at the Hungry Tiger. All right, there's some in the room. All right, thank you, thank you, I see you. The Hungry Tiger was a restaurant at what is now the Los Robles uh, golf course there. It was a restaurant there at the country club that was there, and uh, that's where Calvary first started meeting, and uh, those are the early days. But then, if you started attending Calvary at the warehouse, uh, that was from 1980 to 1999, would you stand? If you, that was right over here on Via Colinas, if you would stand, yeah, all right. Thank you. All right, you may be seated. If you started attending Calvary in this building, but before I arrived in September of 2008, 14 years ago when I arrived, if you started attending Calvary in this building, you weren't a part of the warehouse, but before I was pastor, would you stand if you started attending during that period of time? And uh, yeah, all over the room. Thank you. It's cool to see how God brought people at different stages in the life and history of Calvary. If you uh, started attending Calvary after I arrived, but before the COVID crisis started. <laughs> That's from 2008 to March of 2020. Would you stand and just stay standing for a moment? Great. So good to see you and wonderful. All right, you may be seated. Now, if you started attending Calvary since the COVID crisis started in March of 2020 till this very day, if this is your first day, attending Calvary ever, then would you please stand if you started attending in these last couple of years and even today as a guest. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all over the room. Thank you. you may be seated. They say, why are you doing that? And what about the vision? Well, you know, before we can really uh, go forward, we have to look back and remember the faithfulness of our God. Some of you might remember many of the milestones in the 46-year history of Calvary Community Church. Some of you may even just remember what we launched in 2011, the Calvary 2020 magazine that we produced then in that fall that talked about our investment in children and students and our investment in local outreach and showing the love of Jesus to others in the Calvary 2020 vision. You remember that magazine? It had, it had uh, wheat on the front, you know, uh, that magazine uh, that we distributed at that time. I say it had wheat on the front. I guess uh, some of our staff thought when I said it in a meeting recently that I said it was a magazine that had weed on the front. And... Uh, I, that's a whole different church. Um, <laughs> but in that 2020 vision God gave us from 2011 to 2020, and, and we launched forward and God provided, we had some outcomes we sensed the Lord leading us toward, and that was that we'd engage 20% of the greater Caneo Valley for Christ. It didn't mean that everybody would be on this campus. We'd have 20% of the Caneo Valley attending our worship services. It meant through our ministries and programs and partners in the region, even investing in, in new church plants and other ways, that we would engage 20% of the greater Caneo Valley each year. And praise God, as we measured that and marked that, by the time we got to 2020, we were actively engaging through partners and ministries 20% uh, uh, of the greater Caneo Valley for Christ. And then um, we had as the outcome that we'd share our faith with 20 people. That was a tougher one for us to measure, just to understand who was sharing their faith when, but we heard some great stories of people sharing Christ with a neighbor, a friend, uh, a coworker, a family member, and, and saw some of those folks get baptized and get growing in Jesus. And that's an area we can always continue to work on in equipping folks to share their faith. But we saw God do some great things. You saw some of the fruit of that in the baptism video just a few moments ago. And then the third major outcome we had in the Vision 2020 vision was that we would give away 20% of all offerings that came into Calvary. Most churches give away between 5 and 8% of everything that comes into Calvary. At the time, we gave about 8 or 9% to benevolence, helping people in need in our church, in the community, in financial need, in the name of Jesus, local outreach and global missions, giving it away. And uh, praise God, as we even grew and the budget grew as a church, we were able to give away 20% of everything by the time we got into the year 2020, even as COVID hit us, we were able to do that in that year and we thank God for his faithfulness. As you talk about looking back and seeing the faithfulness of our God, lives being transformed here on this campus, in this community and around the world. And as we celebrate and look back at the good hand of God, it can sound like we're patting ourselves on the back or that I am saying, look how great we are and what we've done. But truly, we're humbled to have been a part of what God 
gave us as a church and what God called us to and then what God did through us. And if you've been here since we launched that vision in 2011, uh, those of us who've been here have had a front row seat to watch God bring vision to life. This isn't about what we've done. It's all about what God has done and the joy and privilege we've had in being a part of this incredible journey. And before we launch forward into what God has for us for 2030, we need to pause and appropriately celebrate the good hand of God in the 46-year history of Calvary, in the last decade of the 2020 vision. And may I even say specifically in your own life, before you can engage with us, before I can engage, any of our leadership can engage in what God has for us in 2030 ahead, we need to individually look back at the milestones of God's hand and his faithfulness in our lives as individuals, as couples, as families. And as we look back and celebrate that, we can then look forward to what God has for us. As we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41, the first sermon ever preached in the church, Big C Church, Little Church, Local Church, this is the first sermon ever preached, I want us to understand this, that looking back in grateful celebration of all that God has done positions us to look forward in eager anticipation of all that God is about to do. Before we can really grasp and get excited about a fresh vision, we have to pause and thank God for his faithfulness and recognizing his faithfulness to us personally as a church for 46 years, even over the last decade plus of our 2020 vision, we then can say he's been faithful. We know he'll be able to take us through whatever comes because he is our faithful God. In Acts chapter two, we're 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 40 days after he was raised, he took his disciples to a mountaintop, gave them some final words, and part of it was, you go back and gather together with my disciples, small group of people who were faithful to the Lord through his death, burial, and resurrection. They gather in the upper room, and he says, then I will send the Holy Spirit, the comforter I have promised you, and when he comes, things are gonna change. Now, Pentecost is the name of a feast that was celebrated by the Jewish people because God implemented Pentecost as one of their annual feasts and festivals. It would follow soon after Passover, about 50 days after Passover was complete. And so people from all over the Roman Empire have gathered and they are there in Jerusalem. And you have this group of believers in this upper room awaiting God's spirit to launch the birth of the church that would go out and through their lives spread the kingdom that Jesus talked about as he prayed that the, the, the values of heaven and the kingdom values of, of heaven would flood earth through his followers. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit and in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they have great joy and energy and there are signs and wonders and they go out and others who are from around the world celebrating this, this day of Pentecost, this Jewish feast, are stunned by the energy and joy. And, and as the, the believers speak, the followers of Jesus speak, people from all over the world hear them speak as they're listening. They hear the message in their own language and they're confused. And Peter gets up and preaches a message. And he looks back before he moves to looking forward. He looks back and rehearses the things of the Old Testament and the promise of the coming Messiah and how Jesus had come. And then he calls them to follow Jesus. And then there would be a casting a vision forward. We're gonna do that same thing today, even as we look at what Peter says in his first sermon of the church there on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter two, we'll begin at verse 14. And we're gonna see, first of all, as we celebrate that God has been faithful, let's celebrate that God has been faithful, first of all, to demonstrate his power. God has been faithful to demonstrate his power in and through us over the last 46 years, the last 10 years, even the last several weeks. Look at Acts chapter two, Peter gets up. Then Peter stood up, verse 14, with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> After all, it's only nine in the morning. But let me explain what's happening. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he goes back to the Old Testament prophet Joel who spoke about the signs that would come when the last days were ushered in and with the death, burial, resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the right hand of the Father, 
and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the last days of humanity was unleashed. Next on God's agenda is the return of Christ and ultimately a new heavens and a new earth as he judges the living and the dead. Joel had spoken of what you're seeing, Peter says. And he quotes Joel chapter two. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at the focus here. It's going back and quoting Joel. And some of those things that Joel prophesied about were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Some have been fulfilled within the church era. And some of these are still to come as God brings human history to a close with a new heavens and a new earth. But at, uh, at the end of it all, Peter says this is all that people might come to the Lord and be saved. And here we see this great demonstration of power. And this demonstration of power that Joel had prophesied about comes by his spirit, by God's spirit. This is not something they had manufactured. They said this is something God is doing, just as the prophet Joel had said. And just moments before Peter preaches, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, the promised one, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they move out with power. I want all who are here to know that what God has accomplished in the 46 years of Calvary, even the last 10, 12 years of the Calvary 20 vision, this isn't by our power or our ability as human beings. It's God the Holy Spirit has done this. But notice that what Peter celebrates is, yes, it is God's work by his spirit, but it is through his people. Notice the emphasis is these things are happening through God's people who are empowered by God's spirit so that more people will come to Jesus as Savior. It's by his spirit, through his people, he uses us as his servants, as his instruments to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs a savior. Jesus said to his disciples just 10 days before Peter's sermon on the birthday of the church on the day of Pentecost, he said to his disciples before he went to be with his father in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You wait, and when the Holy Spirit comes, I'm gonna start a fresh and new thing. It would be the church that spread all over the world throughout church history, and then there would be local churches like the one that would be launched on this day right there in Jerusalem, and eventually there would be a local church in Westlake Village called Calvary Community Church. This is a great demonstration of God's power by his spirit and through his people, and all of the history of Calvary has been accomplished by God's Spirit through his people willingly giving their lives in service to him. Watch this video that just sort of tells the story of those 46 years of God working in and through the people of Calvary Community Church. I've had thousands of people say, well, when are you gonna build a church? And I always hesitate and count five and say, do you mean a building? Calvary has never been very churchy, even in terms of our architecture. We left the little church building and went to a restaurant, country club. The director of the restaurant, the country club, called me after a service. We'd been there about two years, I guess. He said, Larry, we have to talk. I said, what's the problem? What's the concern? He said, well, I can't run a restaurant on Sunday because there's no place to park. Sorry, but you have to leave in about six or eight weeks. We, you're going to have to go find someplace else to meet. So uh, we met in the country club, and then we found a warehouse. I knew that my mission before I finished at Calvary had to be getting the church to a larger location where God could do more in the future. What? I don't know what. Let's be open to it. Whatever God wants to do. But there needs to be a place for it to happen. And one day the mayor of Westlake called me and said, Larry, I want to show you a building. He showed me this building. And I said, what's that about? He said, well, it's left over from the Cold War. It's sitting here empty for the last two years. If this could work for the church in some way, the city would be really very favorable to that. 
And uh, so we looked at this building and did due diligence on it and uh, made an effort at buying it. So for the next four years, Becky and I would drive by here and say, someday that's gonna be the church. And that was the vow we had in our hearts that someday God was gonna do that. And it took three or four more years, but it happened. The first Sunday we were in there, we were moving from that building over here. On Palm Sunday, we had a walk, a parade, from one building to the other. And during the week, the people who were in charge of the building project said, Larry, uh, there's no way we can be in there on Easter Sunday. We can't do it. So I said, well, now that we know we can't do it, let's ask God for a miracle and push forward. And on Good Friday afternoon, the fire chief signed a temporary permit for us to be in there on Easter, and close to 10,000 people came. And I, I looked at money and said there were 3,000 more people than we ever could have gotten the other building. And several hundred of them met Christ that Sunday. We had four founding principles in the beginning. Number one was it be Christ-centered. The VIP on Sunday morning was to be Jesus Christ. If somebody walked in here, I don't care who it was, first time here, they're gonna walk out and say, wow, Jesus is important around this place. Everybody had to catch that if they were there one time. Second thing was that it had to be biblically based. And the third part of it was to be culturally relevant. Connect with people where they are, not where you wish they were. And the fourth thing was that we need to be outreach oriented. The joy we feel when we walk in this place on Sunday morning and see people giving their hearts and praise to the Lord is so rewarding. Becky and I are living today with the privilege of seeing the fruit of her faith. When I arrived in the fall of 2008, Calvary Bend through a couple of years of difficulty. Pastor Larry had stepped back from being the senior pastor, a new pastor had come. There was a time of brokenness there at the end of his time. So as we began to rebuild trust after a time of brokenness, we really started thinking about what's God have for us? Our elders started saying from now till 2020. And then God gave us what we called the 2020 vision, Calvary 2020. We launched that in the fall of 2011. We communicated the congregation. And so we laid out kind of a path and we trusted God for that. We got to watch God bring vision to life and we watched God provide people and resources. And we saw people come to Jesus, get baptized and, and grow. And so as we embarked on that in the fall of 2011, we had no idea how great a journey it would be. And we had no idea some of the challenges we'd face. We didn't know that we would face the borderline shooting that would take one of our staff members' lives. We didn't know that there'd be a fire the next day that would rage and destroy people's homes in our congregation. We didn't know the kind of commitment that would take to step up and walk with those folks. We also didn't foresee some of the wonderful things that the Spirit would open for us, like our special abilities ministry was not a major focus in the 2020 vision. The young adults ministry was not a major focus, but we watched God birth some things in areas we didn't anticipate. When you look back at the history of Calvary, whether you go back almost 50 years or you go back 10 years, 12 years, you see that our God has been faithful. And so as we are on the brink of casting a fresh vision that God has given our leadership, I am on the edge of my seat waiting with expectancy to see what God is gonna do as he brings this vision to life. I'm excited about the new things he'll bring that we don't even foresee right now. And I know that when we face challenges, God will be faithful in carrying us through. And I know that through this vision, ultimately, God wants to see more people come to Jesus so they can reach more people for Christ. And that means that we need to continue to be a church that lives and loves like Jesus so others can come to Jesus too. Isn't that a beautiful reminder of God demonstrating his power through Calvary Community Church over these 46 years, even in the last few years. And nobody needs to come to me in the lobby and tell me how young I looked or how thin I was. <laughs> I got that after the nine o'clock and the six o'clock. But as we look back, we celebrate our God being faithful to demonstrate his power by his spirit through his people. Secondly, we celebrate that God has been faithful to accomplish his eternal purposes, his purposes. Peter, again preaching, says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Jesus didn't stumble to the cross. He wasn't a victim. It was a part of God's eternal plan. 
And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. At the center of Peter's messages, the Old Testament was pointing toward the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth is that Messiah. He was crucified and buried and has been raised. We need to understand that everything that God has accomplished in our lives, in our church, as we look back for his glory has been done because of his accomplishing his eternal purposes in the one he sent, Jesus. And as we go forward, that's at the heart of everything we are and everything we do. It's still about the person and work of Jesus Christ. We can celebrate that God has been faithful to accomplish his purposes. What were his purposes in Jesus of Nazareth, God's son come in human flesh? First of all, full forgiveness through the cross. He was nailed to the cross. There he took the punishment and the wrath that you and I deserve. That we might enjoy his forgiveness. In a moment we'll take of the elements of communion if you're there at home and you have those Elements there, be prepared if you've got them here in the room. Uh, get a hold of those. We invite all who know Jesus to participate with us. But these elements remind us of the forgiveness that was secured in his death so that we, by his grace, can be forgiven as we express our faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's accomplished for us. But also, it's not just forgiveness that was a part of his purposes in sending Jesus but new life through the resurrection. The scriptures say that since Adam and Eve sinned, every human being has been born spiritually dead to God, but Jesus was crucified so our sins could be forgiven and he was raised so that we could have new life in him. And as we put our faith in Christ, we experience that full forgiveness and we receive that new life of the resurrection. If you know Jesus, I trust that as we take these elements together in just a moment, you'll thank God for the forgiveness and the new life you have in Jesus. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 said this, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you take that bread from the container, that bread represents the sinless body of our Lord Jesus, that he came for us, was crucified for us, and was raised for us. Let's partake of the bread together. Paul then continued, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Every time we take of communion of these elements, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And implied in that is you keep doing this till he comes and he's raised. He's not still dead if he's coming again. The cup reminds us of the price he paid in the shedding of his own blood for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that in his resurrection we could have new life. Thank God for the sacrifice Jesus made for us and for the price he has paid for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, in the same way after supper he took the cup, saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me remembering, looking back and remembering his faithfulness and accomplishing his eternal purposes. For whoever, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you reclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's take of the cup together. Father, thank you that you, yourself, your son, left us the simplicity of bread and the cup, the fruit of the vine, to be symbols that we could partake of today, to be reminded of how you fulfilled your eternal purposes in sending Jesus to the cross and raising him from the grave. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the new life you've given me.
we rejoice together and know that before we even look at what you have for us next, we need to stop and realize it's all about Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. And that we are fueled forward by the same grace that has saved us. Truly we know that you have given Jesus the name that it's above every name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is ultimately, completely, and totally above all. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth. Thank you so much, Marcus and Josh. God has been faithful in accomplishing his eternal purposes in Christ and offering us forgiveness and new life in his death, burial, and resurrection. Peter celebrates that. We need to celebrate that in our lives. 
Then thirdly, as we celebrate the faithfulness of God, we need to celebrate that he has been faithful to keep his promises. Verses 25 through 36 of this sermon that Peter preaches, he said, David said about him, this is King David, the great king of Israel and the one that all look toward as, as this shining example of a king that reigned. And he quotes David, Peter does, from Psalm 16. It's a messianic psalm, and some would have thought this is David writing about himself, but he is writing from the voice of the Messiah to come, and Peter identifies that as he quotes Psalm 16. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Then he says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne, speaking of that coming Messiah. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of death, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus had ascended to the right hand of the Father. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now here is his point in quoting the great King David about the death, burial, resurrection, and then the sitting on the right hand of the Father position of Christ. He says in verse 36, therefore let all Israel, Peter says, be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. We look back and celebrate how God has kept his promises through the one who is both Lord and Messiah. As Messiah, he kept the promise of a redeeming savior, one who would save us from our sins and set us free to live lives pleasing to him, to live and love like Jesus in the world. And as Lord, he kept his promise of sending one who would be a reigning king. It's the promise of a reigning king. We come to the Savior who sets us free and then we submit to the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we allow him to work in our lives so that as we live for him in this world, his kingdom spreads and people see the values of our God through our lives and hear those values from our lips as we walk in obedience to the one who is our Savior and our Lord. And you know, over the years, we've seen stories of, of lives changed, young people coming to Jesus, young people committing themselves to Christ. We've seen families touched through our special abilities ministries. We've seen folks go through devastating times and our care ministry and others have walked through those times with them. We've seen God do an incredible work through the one who is our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Lord, our reigning King. I remember one story of a couple that have been divorced for a couple of years and and then they went through some counseling and they committed to one another and with their children, I remarried them out there under the big oak tree. Remember the story of two men, grown men in their 60s, in a van driving out to Lake Mead for a men's houseboat weekend retreat. And as they're sitting in the van, they recognized that they both went to the same middle school. They started talking about what the middle school experience was like and here they were in their 60s and realized that one had bullied the other all through middle school. And God brought harmony as they celebrated who they were in Jesus and found forgiveness and unity. And there are so many stories of lives transformed and changed in the 46-year history of Calvary in the last 10-plus years of the Calvary 2020 vision. And it's all because our God kept his promise of sending us a redeeming Savior and a reigning King. And as we move forward, we have to look back and recognize that all that has been accomplished is by our God. And the promises he has kept through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the empowerment he's given us through the Spirit of God to move forward into what God has next for us. 
This last week, Monday, Leslie and I left to go to Europe, kind of on a last minute trip. We went to a city in Europe and had some partners meet us who were able to come out of a country that is now under great persecution. In the 10 years of our 2020 vision, we used to be able to bring these partners, this young couple with young children up here on the platform and pray over them as they go back to their nations. Or some of you would recognize their faces or their names or especially recognize, of course, the country they're from. But due to the heavy persecution, their activities now just in gathering with other believers or trying to minister to kids affected by disability or to try to get young people to know there's value in serving others, just those kind of activities in the country in which they live that many of us would be familiar with, it's now a crime. They've been investigated by secret security in that nation. They're worried that any day a knock would come on the door because they just said something wrong or their children repeated something in school. And they let us know they were able to come out of that country just for a short time, got a quick opportunity, may never get out of their country again. And so Leslie and I went and met with them and spent two days with them in that week they had outside of the nation that's become so dark. And sitting and talking to them, it was so interesting because with all the complexity and just hearing them as Leslie and I wept with them and just spent time with them, we were struck with when they would talk about the darkness, the, the danger, the overwhelming nature of living in that environment. And we've been supporting them for more than a decade. They talked about, and the bottom line in the midst of all of this, we've got our Savior and we've got our Lord. They brought it right down to that. And all the noise of our lives here in our nation, it all comes down to God has been faithful in his promise to give us a Savior and a Lord, to rescue us and set us free and allow us to walk in obedience to him to find satisfaction and joy that only comes from him. They talked about how in that darkness, the one app that's still allowed is YouTube. And they watch our services, not just once, but because they know faces and they understand uh, the ministry here and they connect with us as, as their partners and their friends, their brothers and sisters, they play it multiple times through the week while they're making dinner or what have you because they hear those voices, they hear the worship here and it's like light coming into the darkness. Can I just urge you to pray for that couple? I can't tell you their names, can't tell you where they're from. I don't want to compromise their security. But they are near and dear to our Calvary family. And they know in a very specific way how important, how important it is to know who your Savior is and who your Lord is and who is King of Kings ultimately, even above government entities. God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to change lives and even in darkness to walk with him and experience his light, his peace. Fourthly, let's celebrate that God has been faithful to empower his people, to empower his people. Verse 37, the people respond to this message of, of Peter and they, they say, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Maybe you're here today. You hear that, repent, turn from your sin, your own self-righteousness, and turn to Jesus who died, was buried, and raised for you, who offers you forgiveness and new life. Turn to Jesus today. And as you do, he fills you with his spirit. Then on the next occasion, an opportunity, God calls on you to be baptized and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. But today, what, what are you doing with who Jesus is? Have you embraced Christ as your savior? Just tell him, God, I know I need a savior. Please give me your forgiveness and your new life through Christ, and he will. We'd love to have a conversation to help you in this journey ahead now that you've put your faith in Christ or answer questions about what it means to have forgiveness and new life through Jesus. I'll be in the lobby. You can chat with me. We have care team members down front after the service. You can speak to them. You can also just get out your phone and 
uh, text one word in the message of your text and make that the name Jesus and text it to the number available on the screen below me, 58568. 58568, just the name Jesus, and we'll follow up with you. We'll connect with you, and we can, we can walk with you forward in what this means. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the first sermon of the church, the birthday of the church, and already the first church, the first local church in Jerusalem is a mega church with 3,000 people. Now, how in the world are they gonna function in that big of a church? Well, we're gonna be talking about that the next several weeks as we continue with Calvary Next. Somebody came out of last night's service and said, you've just been teasing us with this vision thing and you're still teasing us. I said, no, 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 no. Before we can even begin to grasp what God has for us next, we need to pause and look back in grateful celebration of all that God has done. That positions us to eagerly, to look forward with eager anticipation for all that God is about to do. Let's celebrate the goodness of our God together. Let's be reminded of all that he has done for us. See, he empowers his people as they respond to the gospel. That's what do we gotta do? He says, repent, turn to Jesus. As they engage with his church, 3,000 join in, and God does a work through them throughout the rest of the book of Acts. We'll see that in the next few weeks. As they witness to the world, they become a witness to the world around them of Jesus and who he is. And this church, Calvary, has been a witness to the world for the last 46 years, and Lord willing, will continue to be a witness to the world as we move forward together. Can I encourage you this week, just sit down. Take just a few moments of your own time by yourself. Look at your own life and look back. Mark down some milestones the day you came to Jesus. Maybe another major milestone in your spiritual walk or when God met you in a dark time. Write down three or four of those milestones in your journey in the past, just as we've rehearsed some things for us as a church. Jot those down. Thank God for those. And then say, God, because you've been faithful in that, I look forward to what you're going to do in my life. Before we can move forward as a, as a church family into the Calvary 2030 vision, we have to individually Thank God for what he's done in our lives so we can collectively anticipate what he's about to do in and through us together. Take some time this week. Jot down those three or four milestones in your journey with Jesus and thank God for his faithfulness. Next week, we'll be handing out the 2030 Vision magazine. It's a booklet that is full of what God has given us for the journey ahead. We look forward to sharing all of those details. You can still join a small group, and small groups have a, secu uh, a secondary curriculum that parallels the teaching of these next several weeks, and that curriculum is called Calvary Next, and it's available to all small group leaders. And I would encourage all of our small groups to go through that, and some might say, well, we have some folks who now go to other churches who are part of our small group, and they're not interested in the Calvary 2030 vision. The focus in the, the curriculum and in the groups, is the focus is on the principles in the book of Acts of how we are faithful as a church. And so people can discuss that, whether they're part of Calvary or not. I would urge you as small groups to join us in that journey Pick up that curriculum from Pastor Carolyn Takeda and her team out in the lobby. I think the journey ahead is gonna be a great journey because we can look back and see things that we never anticipated God would do in the 46-year history of Calvary, things that seemed impossible and God did. Lives changed and transformed. Let me ask you, after looking back in celebration, do you look forward with anticipation of what God is gonna do in your church, what you get to be a part of? The bottom line, what Peter talked about and what they'd see in the book of Acts were lives transformed, reaching others for Jesus as they lived in love like Jesus. Noelle Sparks came to Calvary in a focused way in her teen years and got engaged in some of our student ministries and began to grow and thrive in Jesus. Then she began to work on the worship team there in high school, and she was one of the key people who were a part of the, the fresh launch of young adults in 2016 and made it happen with young adults 18 to 30. And, and she then even worked with our children and she, as a high schooler and then a young adult, she invested herself in a, a group, a small group of 
middle school girls on a weekly basis, helping them in their journey with Jesus. And Noel invested so much in others, so much so that we recognized what God was doing and we brought her on our team part-time to work in our children's ministry while she was going to college. And Noel had her life taken from her in the borderline shooting. And we look at Noel and we say, wow, you know, she was a part of what God wanted to see accomplished in 2020, a life impacted by Jesus to the point she turned around and invested in other people for Jesus. You know, the shooting took place late that evening, back in 2018, November of 2018, before being at Borderline. That evening, earlier in the evening, she'd helped the preschool-age kids in Cubbies and Awana sing songs of praise to Jesus. Then when she slipped out of that ministry, she went over and spent time with her middle school girls, small group, and she poured her life into those girls. That very night when her life was taken, she'd been serving Jesus as a part of this church family. And I think God is gonna raise up more and more as he has for 46 years, Noel Sparks type people who've been impacted by Jesus, who will impact other lives for Jesus. I believe that night when Noel Sparks stepped into the presence of Jesus, after experiencing physical death and beginning to experience eternal life, I think Jesus said to her, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just like the last 46 years, just like the Calvary 2020 vision, you know what the Calvary 2030 vision is all about? Lives being changed by the power of Jesus Christ to impact more lives for Jesus. Are you in? Are you ready? Can you celebrate the faithfulness of God so you can anticipate the goodness of God ahead? Our middle school room that was completed just before COVID, we dedicated in memory and in honor of a faithful life lived by a young woman whose life was taken in her 20s. Noel Sparks. And I believe God has many more stories, like the stories I've shared and even the story of Noel Sparks living full on for Jesus, yet ahead in this community, on this campus, and around the world. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for Noel, for her testimony, her love for you, the impact she made on all of our lives, and the impact that continues as I had that young woman come up to me just a couple weeks ago and say she was visiting because she comes back, even though she doesn't live in this area, comes back to Calvary because of the impact Noel made in her life. May we be the kind of people where our lives impact others even to the point that when we're with you, our lives still are impacting other people. Thank you for being faithful. And as we've seen you faithful, we trust you for what lies ahead in our personal lives, in our life together as a church, in the decade to come. We're ready. We're eager. We're anticipating big things from you because you are a great God who has met us in the moments of our lives and blessed us with strength and peace through it all, according to your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.